Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To hitchhike across the galaxy? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. Uh, my name's Anthony. My name's Brad. Yeah, and we got a, we got a special guest in the house tonight. Uh, a real-life Florida man. Alex, how you doing? How's it going, Anthony? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. You know, I would ask you about some classic Florida man stories, but I, you know, I just figured that you, you we don't have enough time to get into them. You know, I, I'll, uh, that's for another time. Have, I can keep it very for, short. I keep it very short. Walmart alligator, Walmart pet alligator. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Someone brought a pet into a Walmart pet alligator to Walmart. That's all you need to know. <laughs> You know, you're, you're telling me that with one short sentence and I can already like like see the story in my head. It's like I already wow. know how it all goes down. Right. It's the detail classic Florida man headline. Man brings Walmart uh, alligator. <laughs> you don't need to ask any other questions. You're like, yep, I know it. I know the whole dang story. I, like I know it's a true story. too. Already. <laughs> right. But um, all right. So. We're doing James Gunn today. We're doing James Gunn's forays into a superhero film. So we got on deck Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 versus The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with Suicide Squad in um, the 2016 version. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, You know, we're going to stop asking each other this, but I'm just going to ask you. You want to do it chronological? Yeah, let's do it chronological. We got to stick with being chronological. Yeah, just for old times' sake. I don't even know why we ask that question anymore. Um, all right, so I'm going to hand off Guardians to you, Brad. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy was James Gunn's first foray into doing a superhero movie, and he got the opportunity to do it with a band of unknowns for Star-Lord, played by Chris Pratt. We have Gamora, played by Zoe Saldana. We have uh, Dave Batista as... Saldana, yes. Um, we have Dave Batista playing Drax, and then the voice work of Bradley Cooper as Rocky Raccoon and Vin Diesel as Groot. So we're introduced to these characters as they, as Star Lord is going after an orb that contains an Infinity Stone, and he's being chased down by several different kind of mercenaries, including the Ravagers, led by Yandu, Michael Rooker and Gamora going and eventually it brings Rocket Raccoon and Groot as hunters into the foray trying to get him as well. They land themselves in prison, they meet Drax there, and they team up to try and save the universe from the villain Ronan. And this is basically James Gunn's way of kind of bringing a group of characters together in the MCU and 
it, one of the strongest parts of it is the character interactions. We have all these characters that really nobody knows about prior to this movie, except for hardcore comic book fans that are coming together and we get to see Groot who says three whole words. I am and Groot. And that's all he says. Brilliantly paid about for by uh, Marvel Studios. No, he says the three words. I am Groot. No, the, the, it's four words you said. I am in Groot. But just, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, not, the, that's not the conclusion. Oh, technically, he does say Groot. four words. He also says we at one point in time. <laughs> okay, well, hey, hey, there you go then. It is four <laughs> words. We are Groot. We are. Which, it, I got to say, it, nothing prepared me to shed a tear the first time I saw this movie for a tree man that only says I am Groot in the entire movie only to at the end say we are Groot and it's just instant tear and it's like why is this why is this getting to me <laughs> I don't know man somebody must have been cutting onions in front of you or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the, the magic of this movie is this tree or this group of characters have to come together and settle their differences in order to defeat Ronan uh, who is a at one point, a minion of Thanos, but he decides to kind of go off and do his own thing to conquer the world without him once he realizes that he can get the power stone for himself. So it it really forces these characters to work together in a way that they never thought they would because they're all selfish people. And I think that's what really works for this movie is each character is selfish in their own way. And they had to come together and stop being selfish in yeah. order to get it to work. Uh, it, right into it, uh, Anthony, what were your thoughts on this one? Um, this might shock you, but, uh, you know, this isn't my... Uh, I, I actually have seen Guardians before. I, uh, I, I just knew you were going to ask me, like, hey, Anthony, have you seen this before? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Brad, I've seen Guardians before. Like, this isn't my first time seeing Guardians. Wait, have you seen this movie before? <laughs> yes, I've seen it before. We, we're talking about it. It's not my first time watching. But, um, yeah, like, uh, I, I, I really like this film. When I saw it in theaters, you know, it just felt so fresh and original. Soundtrack is great. Um, I love the characters' banter, especially Star-Lord with Gamora. Even though they can come off a little tropey, you know, the dumb lead action guy with the tough girl that's out of his league, They their banter together is so great. And um, I know coming off of Parks and Recreation, which I, which I didn't watch before I saw this film, I didn't feel that much about Chris Pratt walking in, but I, I really felt like he sold the lead role and he, he, he told that fine line between, you know, funny, dumb lead action guy and charismatic, you know, heartthrob lead action guy. And he 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 he, he strides that line very well. Um, yeah, man. You know, I feel like this is one of the few Marvel films um, that's a single film, but still kind of an ensemble film that works really well. Yeah. Well, it was also the first movie to kind of come off of Avengers as kind of a single movie. Because with Avengers leading up to it, every single one of the movies had some kind of reference to the other movies. Mm -hmm. And this was the first one where that wasn't the case. This was a full standalone picture that anybody could have watched, uh, regardless if you saw 
Iron Man, if you saw Captain America, if you even saw Avengers, it didn't matter if you were just going into this one blind. You're going to get the same experience out of it that everybody else is getting that's already seen all those movies, that have read the comics, that know all that. Because these characters are changed a little bit from the comics as well. Uh, Alex, what were your thoughts rewatching this classic? Yeah, so it is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, I have my own criticisms on the MCU, especially when it comes to it just being very formulatic, uh, uh, you know, the form- very basic formula. You know, they tend to use the same formula over and over again. It works. Why not? You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it, you know? And while the gar- while this movie is very formulatic, um, it it managed to do its own thing. James Gunn managed to kind of work around that and still make it very unique and kind of put his own spin on it. And it's just one of those few movies where I can just, I can sit down and watch it from beginning to end and just enjoy it every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's very rare. And like, I, I love movies that do something different, whether it's received well or not, you know, I like it when the movies do something different. Yeah. Now it's great that this movie ended up being great. You know, I'm, I'm, I was so happy that it ended up being great because when I first saw the trailer, I wasn't into it. You know, I was like, nah, this doesn't seem well. Nothing like the comic book characters, you know, stuff like that. I was wrong. I was so happy I was wrong. And I, I, I can't commend James Gunn enough for doing the near impossible. You know, he had no build up with these characters. It's not like the Avengers where you had solo movie for almost every single one of them. This is the first time we're meeting these characters. Um, and like I said, we have you don't have to know anything about this. And what's great about this is that this is the first time we heard almost basically hear about the Infinity Stones and the big theme of the of the of the entire phase first what three phases was the yeah. Infinity Stones. And while we know now know they were in the Avengers movies and stuff like that, this is the first time we hear about them. Like, okay, these are the Infinity Stones. This is what they do. So anyone who, you know jumped in the game late you know they can start off with guardians and basically be like okay here's the infinity stones that's all you need to know to know everything about the future movies especially when it comes to thanos so like i feel like james gunn kind of has that middle starting point where you can start at guardians and actually go to the very end you know um and then if you want to go back and watch the first phase um and i think that's an achievement on its own in my opinion oh yeah for being a standalone movie guardian succeeds 100 percent uh especially when you compare it to the other kind of mcu movies where if you're jumping into you know thor you're gonna get confused at some of the references that they're making about incredible hulk and iron man uh if you decide to jump into avengers you're gonna miss a lot of context of who these characters are from their original kind of intro Uh, This movie intros us to five completely new characters and manages to balance out their introduction into this universe. Yeah, I um, when this film first dropped, well, when I first saw the teaser trailer, I was kind of like Alex in which I was like, uh, I'm going to repeat a line uh, from the movie like, what a bunch of douchebags, you know, like who, who who are these people like, like, why should I care about them? Um, this film was very surprising to me because for a bunch of character, Marvel characters that I know nothing about, you know, I knew Iron Man. I knew the Hulk. I knew all these characters. I knew Thor before we got to this point. 
But uh, this film really surprised me as that it made me at least interested in Guardians of the Galaxy. I still haven't read the comics, but it made me interested in their whole dynamic. Yeah. Well, when it comes to the comics, uh, it, they are different. You're not missing anything. Yeah, you're not missing out much on who these characters are because they do kind of change from the comics, which, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, for the Alex, better. Yeah. Better. Yeah, it's, especially when it comes to Star. Yeah, especially when it comes to Star Lord. Like he's, it's it kind of very similar to like how Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. You know, the Iron right. Man in the comics is he's not a great character. I admit that. There's a reason why not many people people knew who Iron Man was, but no one cared about him except that he looked cool. You know, mm. and like it, it, it hasn't just, he always been cocky though? Or was that just the RDJ thing? But the thing about yeah, the, the RDJ thing, he's cocky, but in the comics, he's just a just a straight up dick he's also a drunk in the comics exactly he's very unlikable very unlikable at least with rdj he makes him interesting you know um charming you know a charming exactly exactly kind of arrogance yeah exactly and that's how chris pratt does it with star lord um he does a very good job with uh you know bringing the character life putting his own spin on it you know kind of that goofy you know especially the first time we meet uh, star lord you know he's dancing you know to uh, right. what was he dancing to he was dancing to um come and get your love come and get yes. your love that's he, the one exactly yeah. and of course you know now of course there are some characters that are better like in my opinion gamora is a little bit better in the comics but um but even like people stuff like drax you know completely different you know um rocket is rocket's about the same you know um and then Groot is well Groot. um there there really isn't much uh character change for that in comics but yeah i mean they this they managed to actually be better than the counterparts in in most places in my and that's that's my personal opinion of course i know i'm sure there are plenty of other guardian fans who've you know read way more than i have but uh but that that's that's what i think at least yeah, and I know Alex, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but like pre this movie coming out in the comics, Star Lord was kind of like a preppy kid. In oh, a absolutely. Because yeah. he kind of had like his hair was like it was, it was kind of like off to the side. It was kind of like my, how my hair is, you know. It's kind of like slicked back a little bit. It looks like I kind of had gel in there. He looked and it's blonde, and it's actually bright blonde, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, his hair is very bright blonde. You know, you know how like you think about those college kids. They have that plaid shirt and the little jockey jock shorts and stuff like that. He had that kind of. He didn't look like that dress wise, but you can think that okay, was his he, attitude. If he lived on Earth, he would definitely be one of those college jockey kids that you just absolutely hate. And it's just looking at his face, it was very douchey. And yeah. um, I mean, when you look at Chris Pratt, uh, that's personal opinion, I guess, if you look at Chris Pratt that way. But his character was not interesting at all in the comics. I, I feel like his role might be making fun of that. Like, you know, like when like when they first uh, appear in Infinity War, like, yeah, we're the Guardians. Like we don't. Who are you? Yeah. We don't know who you are. Like, you know. exactly. who is your yeah, master? This, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like Star Lord. In this one, the big difference is that he wants to be known. Like you know, he's always going right. like you know, it's like I'm Star Lord. Who? <laughs> you know, and it's <laughs> like you don't know, Star Lord, man. You know, and he's just trying to explain it's it. Like, so it's like, oh, it's just never mind. Like you know, it's, and it's, it's like. like he brings character to it. You know, he, he knows he's not popular, but he's just, he plays it off and he does it so well. And like, I like it just like you, Anthony, I never watched Parks and Rec. So I knew nothing about, um, Chris Pratt going to it. Um, mm-hmm. and like, I, I, I fell in love with the character. You know, I love, you know, I'm 
I still haven't really watched much stuff with Chris Pratt, but like that made me a fan of his. Yeah. Well, even to like go on that same tangent of like nobody knowing who he is. Uh, I, I love the scene where he's first caught by the Nova Corps and they're like, oh, hey, it's Star Prince. Star Lord. Yeah, yeah, whatever, buddy. <laughs> uh, I put that up there with uh, Civil War when um, Ant-Man is like, hey, Tony. Tony Stark is like, who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. I love it when superheroes meet each other and they don't know who they are, who the other person is. Yeah. Well, then you have the intros of all the characters in this because you have Star Lord's intro there. Uh, then you have Gamora being introed as like Thanos's daughter, who we kind of already got like alluded to is going to be a big bad from Avengers or at the very end credit scene of Avengers. And then we're introduced to Rocket and Groot, who are two like bounty hunters. Uh, Groot kind of just being the muscle for Rocket, who is a super intelligent raccoon. And Drax, who is just a very menacing guy that takes everything literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, with, and then like with the story with the Drax, like he's the only one that kind of—I don't want to say had a direct connection to anyone else, but his was more personal because you know, with because uh, Thanos, um, you know, is with Ronan, and then they they killed um, Drax's family. Ronan killed Drax's family, so he when he saw Gamora in prison, he wanted to kill Gamora because she you know to get to Ronan. Um, I think that's what it was, but like yeah. he, he wanted to use Gamora to get to Rodin. Um, so that was kind of the only, so they were the only ones who kind of, she didn't know who he was, but Drax was the only one that knew anyone else from the group. Everyone else had no idea who they were. Drax, the only one that had any knowledge of anyone else was Drax. And that does play into a story of trying to have to trust her. You know, that was pretty, I like that a lot, how he wanted to kill her, and but he put that aside to actually work with her. Um, and I, I thought that worked out pretty well with Drax. Um, you know, and Drax, is, especially throughout the story with Drax, trying to, like, forget about revenge, you know? Yeah, it- one of the best parts of this movie is the character interactions. It's the one thing that James Gunn is just a master at is getting characters to interact with each other that normally wouldn't or to get them to interact with each other in a way that seems real. And Mm -hmm. it seems real and it brings a still like comedic touch to it. Uh, We'll get into that with the suicide squad, how he brings that together and everything. But in this movie where, kind of the intro to getting uh, Rocket, Groot, uh, Gamora, and Star-Lord introduced to each other is you have Gamora trying to go after Star-Lord to get the Power Stone or the orb that he has. And then you have Rocket and Groot going after Star-Lord because there's a bounty on his head. So they're all kind of just conflicting with each other, basically with the same goal in mind, but completely different at the same time. It just yeah. leads to some fun interactions between them. And even after that, when they're, like, escaping the prison, you know, and you get to see, like, Rocket's putting everything together, and everybody's like, come on, this is your plan. Let's go. Come on. What's your plan? Right. What's going to happen? They're they're there. They're going to shoot us. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun just seeing how they interact. Yeah. I, um... Yeah, I think overall, man, this is just a really ferociously entertaining movie. It still holds up all this time. Um, 
it is formulaic, but I feel like a lot of Marvel films are formulaic. I feel like James Gunn was given more creative control because it was more of a gamble with, all right, let him take guard. I think one of y'all, I think we talked about this before the show, like, you know, they were like, all right, let him take Guardians. It's not much of a risk if he fails, whatever. If he yeah. succeeds, great. Um, yeah, like, I feel like this was a gamble that went right with Marvel. And uh, it proved that, you know, creative control is something that, even though I don't think the tide is going to turn much on giving artists creative control with, with you know, big franchises. But uh, it showed that, you know, like always, it, it does right. Yeah, it works um, out. But at the same time, this was the first time where Marvel could actually give that creative control. Like you said, the Guardians were nobody in terms of, like, popularity. Uh, Iron Man, right. people kind of already had an idea of who Iron Man was. Captain America, same thing. Hulk, uh, people already knew these characters. So there wasn't a lot of room to, like, let somebody experiment with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always looked at Iron Man was that with that guy with as that guy with the cool suit before uh, RDJ came along. But you know, like, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, because I want us to devote a lot of time to Suicide Squad. Uh, let's hit the rating up real quick. You know how we do it, uh, like on a scale of one to five. Uh, I got, I got four, I got four point five. What you got, Brad? I, I got a five out of five. How about you, Alex? Okay. Yeah, about a 4.5. Um, you know, it's fantastic movie all around. Falls into some of the formula, uh, for basic formula of Marvel movies, but still manages to just knock it out of the park. It brings a smile to my face every single time I watch it. That That's what I want from a movie. I want to enjoy sitting down and watching it, and this movie hits that nail on the head perfectly. Yeah, Brad, During the, every time Brad sits down and watches Guardians, he turns into Thanos. Now this yeah. <laughs> this brings a smile on my face. That's just Brad. You know, I don't know if he has the gauntlet, but you know, I'm well, sure up that's until that scene with Groot, and then it just brings a tear to my face. <laughs> every time Edgar Wright releases a uh, re-releases Scott Pilgrim to theaters, he says to Brad, "And look where that brought you right back to me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we're just gonna find stuff in Brad's life that just relate relates back to Thanos. I'm okay with this. <laughs> We're gonna find I'm, everything. I'm, I'm okay with picking up this gauntlet and um in continuing this for the rest of the series. I'm <laughs> thank you, Alex. Thank you. But uh, that does bring us then to James Gunn's recent movie, The Suicide Squad. Uh, do you want to take a stab at this one, Anthony? Sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so Suicide Squad is a reboot slash sequel of the uh, 2016 um, Suicide Squad. So it pretty much has the same synopsis, just a different group of characters here. So uh, a group of uh, convicts slash DC villains or villain aficionados are attached to um, save the world or um, they die. And um, basically, who we who we have um, left over from the first film, um, we have uh, we have Joel Kinnaman's character, who is um, the lead, um, who is uh, Rick Flag. He's on the side of the uh, the law, so to speak. He's not a convict. He's on the side of Amanda Waller, who runs the Task Force X program. So we we have a uh, Harley Quinn in this one. We have a uh, Margot Robbie uh, re. You know, restarring in her role, we have Idris Elba's Bloodsport taking this, kind of taking the place of Will Smith's uh, Deadshot. We have uh, the return of um, Boomerang, played by Jai Courtney. We have 
Nanue, King Shark, played by Sylvester Stallone, uh, Peacemaker, played by John Cena. And for the most part, that's that's what we have as the main team after the prologue kills off a lot of, uh, well, kills oh. off a lot plus Boomerang. But go ahead. Why, why? You're forgetting two of the other big ones. Uh, yeah, I see you. Polka Dot Man, played by... Oh, Polka Dot Man, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm forgetting Rat his catcher. name. I, yeah, Ratcatcher 2. <laughs> Not Ratcatcher. Oh, her name yeah. is Ratcatcher 2. Ratcatcher 2, yeah. Yeah, and actually, um, the guy who plays um, the... it's at His his real name is Abner Krill. Um, his his full name is... Uh, the guy who plays him was De- Das Mashian Dash... What's his first name? Is it like Peter Dash Mashian or something like that? Uh, David David Dash. No, the guy who plays um, Polka Dot Man. His name is David Dash oh, David, David Dash Mashian. And then um, and then Polka and then uh, Ratcatcher Two is played by a, a very new actress, um, uh, Daniela Manchia Melchia. Um, but and people who watch a lot of DCs or a lot of comic books in general will know who David is because he was in Ant Man, he was in the Flash TV show, he was in the Dark Knight. Um, he's voiced a lot of characters in the animated shows. Like he's all over the comic book world, which is yeah. amazing. He comes off to me like one of those uh, character actors that um, you may not know their name at first, but you know their face. Because I know mm-hmm. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Especially yeah. comics. He's, he is the true face of the multiverse of comic books, uh, okay. which is great. He's, yeah, he's so great. Yeah, yeah, he's so mostly the... in DC projects, though. I think Ant-Man is the only Marvel project he's a part of. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the squad, uh, the Suicide Squad this time around, um, they are tasked to uh, destroy this giant alien starfish called Starro and uh, prevent it from, uh, you know, uh, taking world domination and uh, destroying the world. Um, So that's uh, the way this film starts off is pretty funny. It has a great prologue with uh, introducing Michael Rooker, you know, pretty much the the De Niro to uh, James Gunn's uh, Scorsese. Um, as, uh, what's his name? Savant? Yeah, Savant. Yeah, Savant, who is tasked with, uh, joining the Suicide Squad to get in the mission. I love how this film just gets right into it, but it kind of, like, uh, drags the carpet on, from under you as, uh, you know, he's, he's introduced to the squad and, um, you know, like I heard, I think one of you said, like, it's so different from the way you're introduced to the characters in the first film. Yeah, like, it's basically, whole... like, countering how... The first movie did these huge elaborate intros for each character, and right. this one kind of goes, that's Blackguard, that's Mongol, that's Weasel, these are your brothers for the next couple of days. You know? right. That's Harley, that's, yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, Godspeed, and yeah. you know, he goes out there, and uh, <laughs> after some funny banter on the plane, you know, they, uh, they, they head to the, um, they head to the spot. And realize that one of their own, um, Pete Pete Davidson's character, uh, what was his name? Blackguard. Blackguard. Blackguard set them up, and they uh, it just it just turns into like a like a a, a bloody takedown with um, you know. That's <laughs> sorry. I was like the best way to describe it is saving Private Ryan. Just think of saving Private, Private Ryan. Think of Fred, saving go. Private Ryan. Yep, that's the best I can say. <laughs> We're gonna call it perverse saving Private Ryan opening. Right there. Um, the only way David, the only way James Gunn knows how, and the way he he delivers, um, is is that kind of like takedown. 
And, um, you know, then uh, we're presented with a nonlinear narrative from there on, which I like because in most films, that's kind of that can kind of be a spinning its wheels kind of downfall to some films. But with this, it really propels the narrative forward. And we're introduced to Team B of the Suicide Squad on the other side of the island, um, spearheaded by uh, Aegis Elba's uh, Bloodsport, you know, and Peacemaker and, you know, the rest of the squad. The, the true cast of the movie overall. Right, right, right. Yeah, I love how they did this whole, like, fake out with introducing, like, so many characters. Like, in the trailers, you were introduced, and they're kind of going, look at how many people. And you kind of go, well, yeah, some of them are going to die. We're going to watch people die. It's the Suicide Squad. But who's going to die? And <laughs> at the beginning, it basically kills off most of the cast <laughs> right away. In the most hilarious ways possible, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not, like, and they, especially, like, with, with Weasel, just hit the first death with Weasel dying was probably one of the funniest funniest things i've seen and it's just because it just happens out of nowhere and he's all like did anyone check to make sure that the weasel can swim and then next shot is just him just drowning yeah. <laughs> and it's just like it and the, james gunn he's just so good with imagery and like if he would have just drowned fine but just him just, just falling like this and just slowly falling down to the bottom of the ocean was just i don't know why i just i just started dying laughing and then like pete davidson like re- whether you like him or not just like you knew he was going to have a horrible death and oh, yeah. just point blank shot to the face. That was just, and Oh God. I, did, like, I didn't know his death was going to be horrible. And you know, I'm not, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't hate Davidson. I'm just not the biggest fan, but like, I thought that he, he sold his part like many other people in this role. Well, like he chewed up his screen time. Like when he initially thinks Weasel is a werewolf, like this, this thing's a this thing's an effing werewolf. Get her life of me, you know. Like I love his reaction, um, and yeah, like his face being blown off. I'm like, oh man. And I was like, well, you know, eh, it's Pete Davidson. Yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you know about Pete Davidson's background, like with his father and stuff, like he t- he tells very dark jokes. And when I first yeah, saw, it, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Pete Davidson's gonna be the guy who goes up to James Gunn and says. I want to die first, and I want you to kill me off in the most brutal way possible. And I feel like this whole thing was his idea. Like, Pete Davidson is just one of those characters who'd be like, I just want you to just think of the worst way that I could die and, you know, just do it. And just, you just, know, that's just, that's just, that's just his thought process, you know? You knew it was coming the way he just, hey, guys, see, guys, I brought him here. Yeah. <laughs> guys come on like, i'm like oh man you're gonna die like this is this is a james gunn film and i know you got i know you got it coming to you man well yeah even that uh we got to talk about like how gruesome the deaths are because if in the suicide squad mm. you know people are gonna die and it was kind of around this time that i remembered oh yeah james gunn directed and wrote slither a very kind of goofy and horror and super which yeah. get pretty kind of into it with the violence and this movie does not hold back but like i can't see like saw kind of movies and stuff like that like that kind of like gore and stuff it, it just that gets bothers to me. you yeah it bothers me why'd you uh, watch this you knew what this was oh of course i did but this one <laughs> i exactly knew what was going into it and stuff like that but this one for some reason it didn't bother me as much because it came off as so over the top for it and like kind tarantino of, like a little bit very tarantino gun to tarantino but yeah i got you yeah where yeah there's some movies where i can watch where it's like that 
Uh, but you know, this is one of the movies where like it gets pretty gruesome where you, you can feel the pain in it. Uh, like yeah. when Pete Davidson's face gets blown off and you're just like, Oh my God, that was hilarious. But Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, many times throughout the film, I, my wife went from laughing like, ha ha, oh, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> in her face. Well, yeah, yeah, just like thinking, just think, I mean, like going through the deaths, of course, you know, Weasel drowning, no no big worries. The first one, Pete Davidson, and then after that, I think it went to Boomerang throwing his boomerang. He cut some dude's throat, it came back around, sliced through a dude's head, and it did that little thing where the brain just, uh, the head just slides off, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then TDK, you got to see him he'd pop off his arms and that wasn't that gory uh but then you had mongol being the dumb alien she was you know she pulled the helicopter down crashed into the ground it impaled boomerang with like a yeah. bunch of like tree branches and then right. when and then it just came up and just obliterated him with the with the helicopter stuff um and i think that yeah I, and i can't remember i think after that then people just got shot up and everything and um mongol burned to death like she was like yeah, at, like burning up, like ridiculous. she was a husk course, of a body at the end of that scene. Yeah, and then of course the big one that we all knew was coming. We didn't know who it was going to be for, but of course we have to prove to the you know that the government is keeping the word. If you betray us or run away, right. we're going to yeah. blow your head up. And you know that was the big you know finale. You know it's like you no, know, they have to teach someone a lesson. Of course, there was no one left to you know teach that lesson. You know, at least that was one thing with the first movie that they killed off what Slipknot. You know, that was kind of like, okay, hey, we're we're gonna stay true to our word. You saw him, we saw you saw us blow his head off. You know, and they're like, okay, maybe we should have betrayed them. But with this one, there was no one left to witness it. You know, everyone was dead. Well, <laughs> that's another thing. I mm-hmm. love how they kind of countered the whole thing for the original movie because. In the 2016 version, we're introduced to Slipknot, and they're like, hey, here's Slipknot. And then he's like, okay, peace, I'm out. And then his head gets blown off. And in this one, we're introduced to Savant. He's the first character that we actually see. And we get to see him being introduced to the Suicide Squad from his point of view up until, you know, he gets his head blown off. So it's kind of like the reverse of what they did in the first movie. Right, right. Kind of show um, that point that, yes, these bombs are active. You know, anybody could be killed by Amanda Waller at any point in time if they're not following orders. Right. Um, kind of switch gears a little bit. I love how James Gunn brings heart to his characters. As messed up as they can be, he knows how to bring the human side out of his characters. Like, I like how you see the you see the profane dynamic between um, uh, Bloodshot and his daughter, I was like, F you, F you, no, F oh, yeah. you. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, he says, like, I'm not even mad that you stole. I'm mad that you stole a video phone. Or a video <laughs> watch. That's a video watch. Like, you or no, stole I'm mad that you got caught stealing something as stupid as a video watch. <laughs> Right. He's like, and he was like, and he was like, it was embarrassing. And then she came up with a question. He's like, no, what's embarrassing is having you as a father, and you know that whole thing. And then you, you can know, tell that hits him, hits him in the sternum a little bit. Yeah. And uh, even with polka dot man, man, like you know, like the, the emotional manipulation that's the psychological like strain strain he has from his mother and like the experience experiment she ran on him. Like you feel for him. Like initially, you're like. This guy just stole his polka dots. Like, what, what, what's the story? 
and then you go like, oh, oh, and you feel bad for him. But, you know, um, I feel like James Gunn has a way of bringing that out of his tortured characters. Yeah, and he, and he writes them so well, too. And, and mostly just also writing the characters, how we think this is. Because, you know, when people saw the trailer, like, this guy throws polka dots? And then, of course, what's one of the first things that John Cena says, what does he do, the polka dots? And he goes like, and he just looks at him. And then you can see Amanda Waller's face like, yeah. Oh, she just always has that like expression on her face, <laughs> was, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those polka dots are deadly, though, man. They took down, they take down. Oh, branches. they just melt everything they come in contact with. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was, it was great. And that there's so many of those moments, like, yeah, these characters are ridiculous, but I'm going to, but he does it so well. And like, same with Ratcatcher, you know, it's like someone who controls rats. And like, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie was that ending, like near the end, with Ratcatcher, where she has the flashback with her father, played by Taika Waititi. Out of you know, that was a I was wondering who he was going to play, and um, such a short role he was in, it was so great. But that line he said that you know, it's like why do he's like why rats, Papa? He's like you know, rats are the most despised you know creatures in the whole world and even they have purpose yeah, you know, if and, they and can they have, have purpose, purpose so can purpose, we so can we i was like i love that line so much yeah that was such a fantastic line and like out of out of the whole the whole thing about rats too and like just like where you're going about anthony just the heart of this movie even with all the violence and everything between and even like when it comes to stuff like peacemaker you know like the whole fight with I, him and uh uh flag you know, yeah, yeah, that you could see it in his eyes. Like, yeah, he had he was doing what he wanted, but you could tell in his eyes he did not want to do that. Like, you could tell he was very hurt what he had to do. Um, and it's just, it's just so good. Yeah, it was a crisis. It was a crisis of conscience. But um, I feel like even, even like like I love like the the difference there is between him and uh, Idris Elba's blood sport, where if you're just walking into this like I was, you're like, okay, well, Peacemaker, I'm a little confused as to why he's even a, a, a criminal, because he wants peace. He kills for peace. But then as the film goes on, you can kind of tell, like, he's probably done some things in his past that, you know, are morally um, morally questionable, as he's probably killed the wrong people for what he perceives as peace. He's, jingle, he's jingonistic. That's the word, right? Jingonistic. He where, has, where, like your soul for your country is called jingonistic, right? Yeah, some of like that. Yeah, he's yeah. he's finding he's using his his patriotism as a justification of what for he violence. does. Yeah, yeah, he's using that. But as you get closer to the end of the movie, and it, it go is very clear when he's about to kill Ratchet. She says, "Why are you going to do this?" He's like, "I'm thorough." And that would have been that was it would if that was asked earlier, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm doing it for America." Blah blah blah. But no, he, it kind of shows that no, he's just doing it because he's a dick. Like he, he doesn't need to justify it anymore. He's just thorough. He wants to kill her just to make sure, even though she's and, not going to make it. And that speaks to another thing about the character development, too, is that kind of passes the pendulum to uh, Bloodsport. It shows that, like, as Ratcatcher 2 says the Bloodsport, like, I can tell, like, this rat here, because I, I love the moments where he just hates rats and he oh, doesn't. Yeah. You know, like he says, like, my rat here knows you got some good on you. And he's like, oh, your rat is lying. He's, he's a fool. But like. You can you can tell as the film goes on that Bloodsport has good in him, especially when you get to that awesome finale that I, I hope we have some notes on. But um, you know, uh, yeah, man, Peacemaker. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to see a whole mini series from him because he's such a because he's such a dick. Like unless there's some redemptive value, because I know they're coming out with a spinoff. But um, 
<laughs> I remember. Well, I guess we can get to the end credits later, but like, let's. Uh, I, I want to talk about Harley Quinn's like chapters, like Margot Robbie, man. Like, she sells Harley like a like a mother f, man. Like she really does sell Harley. Like I, well, she's love, been bringing like, the character to life since the first Suicide Squad because she even got a chance in Birds of Prey and in this movie as yeah, well. Yeah, to have her own movie. Yeah, I just love like the the layers to her character. Like I love how. It comes out of nowhere when she shoots the president guy that wants to marry her and stuff like that. And she gives that monologue about how, like, you know, I, I've learned a long time ago when I fall in love with guys, if I see one red flag, I'm going to kill him. You laugh, but you kind of feel sad as the monologue goes on because you can tell she's really been through things with her relationship with Joker. And I love how this this her her entry into the DCEU has kind of like subverted the whole expectation of like Bonnie and Clyde with her and Joker and turned it into a more realistic view of like, no, no, this was a psychologically manipulative relationship and she's scarred by it. Yeah. And yeah. And I agree with that with Harley Quinn like that. She's the one thing that watching the other two movies helps, you know, with mm-hmm. with Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, because you see that you see a very clear arc. And I know James Gunn looked at that and said, yes, you know, she does not want to be hurt. She's going to take initiative the moment she knows she's going to get hurt. She's going to end it right there. And that fits her character just so much because Harley Quinn is just a very unpredictable chaotic force of nature she's there to cause chaos and she doesn't have a big role in the movie but she's just there to cause and then her fight scene jesus oh my god that was an awesome scene yeah and and what's good is we even get i love that they continue showing us her how she sees things you know with the cartoons and everything like i love that they flowers and yeah yeah. because they carry that on from birds of prey actually which i love which i loved and like that whole section was just great because it, I know it, when they first it's like, oh, she's doing a little love thing and stuff like that. And then, no, it just turned it, it, it happened so quickly, as you mentioned. It's just like she just, you know, just made love with him. And then literally, what, two right. minutes later, she shoots him. And yeah, like, like, yeah. like that kid stuff is messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody's willing to kill kids. That's kind of a red flag. <laughs> And, and she, what, what was her quote? She's like, I knew it was like, if I ever did this, you know, I would do the right thing and murder him. Yeah. The way she said it, she's like, and I knew I'd do the right thing and murder him. <laughs> and I was just like, God, I love hey, her so much. Yeah, and, um, and another thing, too, dude, you want to talk about great performances. Like, I usually, like, I adore Viola Davis. I think she's uh, excellent. She was so good in this role. I hated her in this film. Like, I hated Amanda oh, Waller yeah. way more than I did in the original film. Like, it came to the point where, like, you know, when we get to the climax, when Homegirl, like, whopped her upside the head, I clapped loudly. Like, I was <laughs> like, yes! Because <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, like, she's a horrible person. Like, like, yeah, like, she really sold the evil villain in this film. Yeah, I got the yeah. chance to see this uh, at... Uh, pre-screening two times both times during that scene it, the theater was erupting in cheers like that was yeah. one of the scenes that like there were times during the movie where people would go like oh my god oh that's disgusting and stuff like that that was one where like the entire theater was unanimous of yeah <laughs> yeah man like, another funny side thing there was one dude in the theater that had like and this is just people laughed the way they laughed every joke that was made <laughs> <laughs> like the I peter griffin laugh <laughs> yeah like i almost <laughs> thought it was a sound effect but there was just this one guy in the back with his friend going 
I just kept laughing because I was laughing when he was laughing. His laugh was contagious. <laughs> it was. It, yeah, there's just so many laughs in this movie, and like I know, I think one of the biggest laughs that came from the showings I was I was at was the uh, resistance camp. That whole entire sequence where they're oh, just measuring yeah. their dick, where Peacemaker and Bloodshot were just measuring their dicks, you know, uh, and then of course the payoff, the payoff at the end, like it's like why didn't my men alert me? I, I, I didn't see any, I didn't see anyone, and like that that whole scene was just. Well, I love that. The polka dot man's line during that is even great. Of just, I imagine they were my mother and I killed them. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mosin Nanawe just sticks his head through and there's like I guys spits out and the finger. Spits out, spits out the finger. And then like and that just shows like Grace, like, yeah, these guys are villains. Like, you know, and she was just like, you know, these guys and like Rick Flagg even said that's like, yeah, these guys are just fucking idiots. You know, and like you can see them in the background just, you know, still messing around with each other and like that goes back to what Anthony was mentioning at the beginning, like these character interactions. Like Bloodsport and yeah. Peacemaker, their childish, you know, rivalry, you know, Ratcatcher and um, Nanawe King Shard, like how she wanted, you know, the whole thing is like, would you eat your friends? And then, of course, like I said, Polka Dot Man, you know, just being just the weird one, you know, Ratcatcher saying, he's like, oh, and I thought you were the crazy one. He's like, I am, you know, it's just like everyone has their interactions. And of course, the mother daughter thing between Bloodshot and Ratcatcher, it's just all of it works. You know, and it it's the same thing like with Guardians that it shouldn't work, but it somehow does. And then at the end, when you get that final confrontation between Bloodsport and Peacemaker, like the moment, you know, that, is that was so well, dude, that was the, played so well. The way that he entered like uh, Bloodshot yeah. when he was falling down, like, dude, that was so badass. Like when he came down, that he looked awesome. up, he saw John Cena, he looked down, he saw Ratcatcher. He's like, he, the, the way he looked when he saw Ratcatcher, so like. I love how it brings everything full circle with their argument about the bullets. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, like, um, I, I love yeah, how they're introed in that way, too, of like each member of this team is being picked for their very specific set of skills. You know, mm -hmm. this is Peacemaker. He can turn anything into a weapon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you said that everybody was being picked for a particular set of skills. He's right, exactly right. like me. <laughs> Hey, and that yeah, and that that just builds up to that ending so well. Like that was great writing. Like mm -hmm. I really liked how that was set up, and um, yeah, I love how the bullet goes through his bullet. He, he's bleeding from the neck. Like why? He says because. Like and what, smaller what did he bullet. Say? <laughs> he's, right, like, he said, smaller he's like he's like how he's like it's smaller bullets. And that whole that scene was badass too. Like it didn't look yeah. cheap. It didn't look corny. It just saw it. And it wasn't like a, you know, a very climatic fight. It was literally pulling up gun shoot. And then he saw that little slow-mo that, that looks so good when it just went inside was, and bursted it. Oh, that, that, that was, was great. That was a Mad Max Fury road moment where everything just went perfect. Like it oh, just, yeah. it just nailed it. Um, but yo, I, before we, before we wrap this up, I want to get to the climactic like battle, which I thought was just played so well, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, aside from the fact that they defy Amanda Waller and continue to go on and fight the squid, I was really wondering, like from a, from a writer's perspective, I was like, like, man, how would I write this? Like, how are they going to beat that squid? But it's like just Starfish. the way it came together. 
like, you know, um, with the teamwork and telling Polka Dot Man, imagine that's your mom. Or no, like, you know, do you see? No, that was a total like Avengers moment with Captain America right. of, you know, King Shark. Nom noms. <laughs> right, right. Hulk smash. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, and, then he's, yeah. and he said like, he said, I, I think he said, he, I think he called him Krill. He's like, Krill is like, do you see that? And he's all like. You it's see who that is? And he was like, it's your mother. And then he did the whole, he's like, I'm a superhero. And then, of course, his death shocked everyone in my theater. And, yeah, that know. made me sad. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's that's sad in me because I was like, oh, man. Because, but I mean, that was kind of a kill your darlings moment. But, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and get him, one quick thing and we'll continue is like, my, the saddest death was, in my opinion, Wick Freak Flag. Oh, I yeah. was rooting for, I was rooting yeah. for him the entire movie. He did, he, it, this movie was redemption for the first one. That <laughs> whole fight, I was, I was rooting for him. And that was so sad the way he died. Yeah. His role in the first one. And again, I want to say this because I don't know if we touched on it yet. Like, we know the first one ain't David Ayer's fault, it's the trailer house fault. That mm-hmm. edited the movie, but like I feel like his character was redeemed so much in this film that I feel like it's closer to what he was supposed to be in Ayer's original vision. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And then, and one quick thing, like the music was great. Like the third act, oh, like yeah, yeah. like that when that that whole thing when they started running and they played that little da na da na, and then it went to like a rock thing where he's building his gun. You know, just that that whole sequence was just badass. The, I, the it was mo- great. Yeah. The slow motion rain sequence when they're first arriving on the place was amazing. Oh, like that God. song they used for that moment. Like Gunn knows how to use spectacle with music. He's very good at that, among other things. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think it was like the song from the trailer, like when they were in the armored vehicle. You know, when right. they break out. You know, it was, it was called Rain, and it's playing from. It's actually playing from the car's radio, mm-hmm. and then like yeah. you know, it, it's singing in the background. And he's doing the smoke and everything. It just it felt so good like the music yeah. felt if it, it the atmosphere worked with that song with him you know bending over doing the cigarette doing the whole spiel with like the different languages it's like i, I don't know how he does it man i just don't yeah he just has an eclectic style man he he has a go ahead what are you about to say brad it, that's one thing that we didn't even touch on with guardians is just the soundtrack is just phenomenal and he brings that over to suicide squad in perfect fashion because uh, there's a lot of good orchestra used in this, but mm-hmm. even like the actual like songs that are brought in, they just fit perfectly. Because uh, what is the one that plays when it's Harley Quinn with uh, the Prince? Like I'm all alone. Oh uh, yeah, that's the Jigolo something, Jigolo something. Because she's singing yeah. it. When yeah. she's getting tortured, she's actually singing that song. And then when she breaks loose and starts killing everyone, the actual song plays, which was genius, in my opinion. So, like, yeah, she's singing that song while she's getting tortured. Then she gets free, and then the song plays. As like, she it's kills playing everyone. in her head while she's going through because you're seeing everything exactly. from her perspective. I love it. Exactly. It's I just agree. played I love so the, wonderfully. Uh, when they finally take the squid. Like, I want to talk about, like, okay, quick, quick moments on the squid. I love when they first come in contact with the squid before uh, Peacemaker gets shot, uh, where he has this, like, little monologue, like, um, kind of reminded me of Blade Runner. Like, he was like, he was like, I was in the ocean minding my own business. And well, that's when he died. This... Yeah, that's yeah, when he died. Like, yeah. That reminded me of my man, uh, Rutger Howard from Blade Runner. Like, I've yeah. seen attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I'm like, this starfish has death? I, I thought yeah. it was just a regular villain. I think like, it was like two sentences. Like I was happy. I was floating, staring at the stars, right, and, then, right. and then he, then he died. It was a very quick thing. 
you know, it wasn't as long as the Blade Runner one, but yeah, it was just very simple. I was happy. I was floating, staring at the stars, and then he and then he topples over. <laughs> That's so random, but like so poetic at the same time. Like, oh wow, like this this villain had a heart. Well, that completely falls in with like James Gunn's like backwards humor kind of style of. Yeah, let's make it just this giant monster, but at the end, turn out to be like sympathetic toward it. <laughs> right and as it dies. F the government. F the government. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> I, I want to. Um, I th- I want to touch on the uh, the end credit scene. Like, um, I know I know Alex had a theory about Weasel, but um, with the Peacemaker, I remember um, we my wife and I were watching it, and you know they showed Peacemaker in the hospital bed, and they were like, uh, oh, you know. The guys were like, oh, you know, Amanda's punishing us, right? Because we turned on her. They say, yep. And um, I remember my wife was like, how is he? Idris shot him in the throat. I'm like, it's a DCU movie, sweetie. Don't don't take it too seriously. <laughs> they, they they always come back. Boomerang came back. Like, don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Man. And then and touch on like what you mentioned with Weasel. Like, my theory was that Weasels are phenomenal swimmers in real life. Like, they're very good swimmers. So my theory was that he was smart enough to fake his own death. And then mm-hmm. that was that's basically it. he faked his own death. He knew how to shut off his, you know, breathing and stuff. And then when he woke up at the end, that was so, that was hilarious. His little his little squeaking as he was running away. I will say, like, I, I kind of had like a pseudo list of like, I bet these people live and these people die. And the top of the list, I was like, Weasel's going to survive it, because that's just falls in James Gunn's kind of humor that Weasel would be one of the survivors of this movie. So when he died first, I was kind of like, dang it my list is already going south but when he popped up at the end i was like yeah my number one pick is already right good <laughs> i'm still hey. right on that one yeah because i gotta say like i was looking at that and i was like i'm just more interested in like what he is like i love how they're so random like oh he's killed 27 kids uh but you know i think he agreed to do this yeah i think I'm they like, got what? him to agree to this <laughs> <laughs> yeah man um yeah, man, I'm going to top this off, man. I feel like this film, in contrast to Guardians, is not so formulaic to the DCEU universe. So I give this five out of five. Oh, yeah, this this is a five out of five to me. I agree. It's a five out of five. I One quick thing with this one. I think that this is the movie that James Gunn did with zero restrictions. Because even with Marvel, he had to do some restrictions based off it being Disney and Marvel and stuff like that. This yeah, was yeah, yeah. this is what happens when you give James Gunn one hundred percent do whatever you want. We're not gonna stop you in any way or form. Doesn't matter rating wise, tone wise, anything, this is this is the result. And uh, it just it worked out perfectly. Well, yeah. I can oh. say like James Gunn getting fired from Disney because of tweets from like 20 years ago or whatever which is uh, bs by the way right, I hate which is stupid all on its own but we literally hit the best timeline for that happening because mm-hmm. as soon as that happened wb called him up and was like we want you to make a dc movie and i can't remember where the interview was but uh he said that when he first got that call they wanted him to do a superman movie and he said no yep. I want to do Suicide Squad. Well, this was back when Warner Brothers was going, we need to, you know, keep up the DC universe. We need another Superman movie, but we got to find somebody to direct it and stuff. And they wanted James Gunn to do it because they were like, you can do great movies and stuff. We want you to do Superman. He was like, no, but I'll do Suicide Squad. And they were like, okay. 
And he said Mm. that there was no stopping point. Like, I think they gave him some notes of like what they would want from the movie. And he he immediately went, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing that. And they were like, okay. And that, that was the end of the conversation. They just let him do whatever. And the, and the sell it off. They even gave him permission to kill off Harley Quinn. That was that was the break. They even gave him permission to kill off oh, Harley man, Quinn. I would have been angry. I would have oh, yeah. if he did that. But he loves. Yeah, he loved her too much, of course. Yeah. But yeah. that that's how that's when we knew that it was real. Was when he said, "Yep, they even gave me let me kill off Harley Quinn if I wanted to," and that's when I was like, "Okay, I I have faith on this." Then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so. All right, y'all. Well, well, hold on. I'm I'm curious, Brad. Um, because we both like we both, me and Alex both gave Guardians 4.5. What do you put this on? If we're doing a double feature header uh, between this and Guardians. If I was to say, The Suicide Squad is a better movie to me because okay. it doesn't have to follow any formula. It doesn't have any restrictions, and you can tell that James Gunn just had fun with it. Uh, it, it just. It has a lot of his humor and a lot of his writing in it. And you can tell that none mm. of it was changed. And because I loved Super. I, I thought that was a phenomenal movie. Uh, very fun. Suicide Squad is basically Super on steroids uh, mm-hmm. with comic book characters. And yeah. again, he took characters that even I didn't know. You know, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I had an idea of who some of these characters were before that movie happened was the suicide squad for the most part i knew king shark um yeah. we didn't get the iteration of king shark that i know of though i know a very different version of king shark um mm. i knew of peacemaker but not too much and then i knew of uh polka dot man is kind of like a jokey character and uh rat catcher but not rat catcher too so he took basically everybody else was completely uh, new and he did phenomenal. I, I loved all the characters mm-hmm. in this movie by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, those are some good points. Um, Alex, you're always welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, man, this was a it was a great episode. Like we we all like pretty had some good opinions on these ones. Um, yeah, man, it was another great episode. Double feature versus like, share, and subscribe. Uh, talk to you all later.